This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Time change didn't affect me one bit, so we're ready to go. You know what, we're going to allow you to get a little nap this afternoon if you're tired, but I want you to to really engage here today. I believe the Lord's going to speak some truths that will help every one of us in here. So in saying that, if you need a Bible, get your hand up real high. Then we will begin today in the book of Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32. I welcome all of you, your guests. We're honored to have you here today. Just believe the truth will set you free. As you're turning to Jeremiah 32, we'll go Jeremiah 32, then Jeremiah 16. Remember last week, just to fill in the blank, I know all of you weren't here, but in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 it says, I set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live. So when we see that right there, it tells me that my choices not only affect me, they affect my descendants, my offspring. So just to fill in the blank, just a little bit here, you're going to see the word iniquity again today. Iniquity is a sin that's been handed down from generation to generation to generation. So literally what that is stating, that sin is built and built and built and built. And what happens with that sin is that's handed down. Again, we understand things in a hereditary way. Our DNA, our children look like us, but also there's a spiritual side of that too that's handed down. So You're going to see that word real quick. Okay, we begin in Deuteronomy 32, verse 16. Now, when I delivered the purchase deed or the legal documents to Baruch, the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm, and there is nothing too hard or difficult for you. That's true. God is the God who still can do the impossible. Verse 18. You show loving kindness... To the thousands, and you repay the iniquities of fathers into the bosom of their children after them. Now, if you were here last week, uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 6, we get into the Ten Commandments. It says in there that that the uh, iniquities of the fathers will be handed down to the third and the fourth generation, but God shows mercy or loving kindness to the thousand. So, what you just saw there in verse 18 to start with is cross-referenced back to where we were last week. So again, the first thing I point out here, he said, I show loving kindness or unfailing love to the thousands. God's desire is to, to mercy us and pour love on every one of us and our families. But then he gets over onto the iniquity side, and, and note in here he said, and I will repay. I will repay. I will recompense the iniquities of the Father onto the lapse, is what the New International Version says, the lapse of the children after them. So what he's beginning to tell us here, that the the iniquities, that tendency, that influence that is upon us begins to hand down. Now, if you were here, remember this, that one of the definitions of iniquity, it literally means to bend Or to twist in a certain direction. Just over a period of time, we start bending. We start leaning into a certain direction. And it's a certain pattern of sin. Now let me ask you this. Just think just here for a little bit. Is there certain tendencies, uh, uh, patterns of sin that you've seen in your own bloodline? 
The truth of the matter is we, we all deal with generational stuff, okay? Every one of us in here. And so again, you, you've got to look at these. Now, God begins us to tell the truth about this, and he doesn't tell us the truth that, that it holds us into a bondage. He tells us the truth because he wants to set us free. He wants to set you free. I, I don't care what's being handed down. He wants to set us free. Okay, keep reading. To the, to the laps of the children after him, great the mighty God whose name is the Lord of hosts. You are great in counsel and mighty in work, for your eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of men. Now, he says something here that got my attention. He said his eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of men. That's good and bad, okay? God sees everything that's going on in our lives, so, so it's not a mystery to him. He sees it all. We, we can't hide what we do. And he goes on to say, and to give everyone according to his ways, according to his actions, according to his behaviors, and according to the fruit of his doings. So he tells us right here, you're going to get what you deserve. Galatians 6 verse 7 says this, Do not be deceived. God shall not be mocked. Whatever, 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 whatever a person sows, he will also reap. So again, when I begin to live in certain ways in my life, don't get mad at God when things are happening the way you don't like them. Understand you're getting what you deserve. Ooh, that's that's a pretty dose of, of truth right there. Go back to Jeremiah chapter 16. Back to your left. Jeremiah 16, verse 17. For my eyes are on all their ways, good or bad. They are not hidden from my face. Nor is there iniquity hidden from my eyes. So he gets back over. Remember the definition of iniquity. These, these tendencies, these influences. And first, I will repay double. Double destruction, double punishment for the iniquity and their sin. So again here, God begins to inform us. This is what God's going to do. He, he acts just precisely what he says he'll do and be. And so he tells us there's a repayment for it. Because they have defied my land. They have filled my inheritance with carcasses of their detestable and abominable idols. So when you look at this, don't think God's okay with our sin, okay? He's not okay with it. And we're going to keep going through this today because it may start out and look not real good. But God gives us means of ways to get away from that sin, okay? Turn to your left, to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, and so again, you just begin to wade through the Bible from cross-reference to cross-reference, and you begin to see the heart of God in this. This is Isaiah 59, verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened or weak that it cannot save. God's desire is still, he wants to save. He loves to save. He goes on to say, nor his ear heavy or dull that it cannot hear. 
So again, God wants to save us. God wants to hear us. He wants to answer our prayers. Verse 2. Look at the very first word in verse 2. But your iniquities have separated you from God. One translation says they've cut you off. Another says they've alienated us from God. So again, this tells me these are a big deal in God's eyes. And he goes on to say here, And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. He will not listen. So when we look at this, sin separates us from God. God is holy. God is just. God will not ignore. God will not tolerate. God will not excuse our sin as if it doesn't matter. So in my life and in your life, when I'm living in blatant sin and I ask God to bless me, that's not going to happen. If I read my Bible correctly here, because of the sin in my life, it's cut off God from answering my prayers and doing what he desires to do. And so he gets over again, and and he gets back to sin there in verse 2. So if I don't deal with sin in a biblical way, it begins to grow in my heart. And sin gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And so when we get on these things called generational iniquities or iniquity sin, these are like an, an, an invisible umbilical cord that's tied to our children. So again, my choices not only affect me, they affect my children. And when you look at what God says, sin is a big deal in his eyes. So don't try to make wrong right. God and the Bible, they do not change. If it was sin in the beginning, it's still sin. And so the problem is sin It gets me off a course or off a track, and I deviate from the very source of my life. And so I exchange, now now write this down, okay? I I exchange a short-time pleasure with a long-term consequence. None of us are exempt from that, okay? Now again, any time the Lord begins to deal with me on the areas of sin within our church, He's always wanting to do something. He's wanting to elevate the bar. I won't back off on it because this is what God says. And guess what? I've been involved in sin in my life too. So I understand the effects of sin. Now, turn with me to the very first book, Genesis chapter 4. We're going to go a little bit deeper And then we're going to give us some biblical ideas or principles how God wants to help every one of us. Every one of us in this room. So we begin Genesis chapter 4, verse number 1. Now Adam knew Eve's wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. I have acquired a man from the Lord. Now I want you to hold hold on to that because that's going to come back into play. Verse 2. Then she bore again, this time, a brother named Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, or their best. 
And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect or regard Cain and his offering. Now we look at this and we think, what does this mean? What happened here that God would, would welcome Abel's offering, but not Cain's? Well, there's some insight in there in verse 3. It says that in the process of time, Cain brought an offering. In the process of time, it shows the condition of his heart. And so literally, you know what this is saying? When I got around to it. When I feel like it. So we had identified his heart. And if you'll note something here, Abel brought his first fruit. Cain just brought an offering. Something happens when I bring God my first fruit because that's my best. So literally here, the reason God rejected his offering because of Cain's attitude and because Cain didn't bring him his best. Now look what he goes on to say at the end of verse 5. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. He was sad. He was depressed. He looked dejected. Now this is what takes place here. Whether then realizing his own disobedience, human nature is always, it's easier to blame somebody else. He's mad. You know who he's mad at? He's mad at God and he's mad at his brother. And so oftentimes, even with human nature, the easiest thing is, let's blame other people. Now, there may be some generational stuff that's handed down to you. Forgive them. you got a choice. And God says that if you'll repent of those sins, he'll forgive you and wash you. So again, don't stay angry. Don't stay mad. Verse 6. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? Remember, God sees everything. God knew what was going on. So he's trying to help Cain out. Verse 7. If you do well, the New International Version says, If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? So Cain right here, by God, God gives him the opportunity to right his wrong. You know, he gives every one of us in this room that same opportunity to right or wrong. He said, if you'll do what's right... Will you not be accepted? So God's telling him, I want you to do what's right. I want you to be accepted. But it became a choice of Cain's right here. Now, look at the next part of verse 7. And if you do not well, or if you do not do well, or if you do not do what's right, then sin lies at its door. Let me help you with this just a little bit. He said, you have a choice in the matter. You do what's right, you're going to be accepted. But if you don't, so he says, sin lies at your door. The Amplified says, sin crouches at your door. So sin is personified here as that of a demon or a person. And so sin right there, it stares at the door, and it was watching all day long, and it's just seen maybe if you'll just give it a crack. Just open it just a little bit. And so guess who controls whether the door's open or closed? 
I do. I do. And so understand this. Throughout your life, the devil watches your actions. He watches your tendencies. Actually, he studies you. He has studied your mother and father. He has studied your grandfather and grandmother. He knows the tendencies in every one of our lives. So guess what he does? He's not going to go after your strengths. He's going to go after your weaknesses. So anytime I've opened the door in any area of my life, he's going to keep coming around. And he's just hoping you'll crack that door back open. And he studies us. So we go back to verse 7. And if you do not do well, sin lies at its door. And its desire, whose desire? Sin's desire is for you. Sin wants to rule you, but you should rule over it. Now, he wouldn't have told us we could rule over it if that wasn't a possibility. And so he's telling, he's telling Cain, Cain, my desire is that you rule over it. So what I found in life, you're either going to rule sin or sin is going to rule you. Interesting, huh, what he's saying here. So now we go back to verse 1. And remember, Adam and Eve had a, a boy that was from God. But when I begin to dabble in sin, sin has a snowball effect. Sin likes to grow. Now watch how it grows here. Verse number 8. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel's brother, and he killed him. Again, you begin to see the progression of sin. I don't believe when, when Cain was born, he had the thought, someday I'm just going to kill my brother. But because of sin, it begins to grow and it goes and goes. And in this passage here, he didn't have any, any heart of repentance, just revenge. Let me ask you something right now. Does that identify any part of you today? Do you live with revenge or do you live with repentance? I don't believe any of us in here are exempt from people doing things to hurt us. He said, in this world, you're going to face troubles. You're going to face temptations. So the issue is not if I'm not going to have stuff that's going to come after me. The issue is what I do when it comes after me. Let me ask you, Ryan. Do you have revenge in your heart? Do you stay up at night plotting how you're going to get even? Have you said out of your mouth, if it's the last thing I ever do, I'm going to get even with them. See, again, this is the danger of not forgiving people. It spiraled out of control. Many of you heard me tell this story. There was a lady in the church years ago, years ago. And, and she developed a tumor in her stomach the size of a volleyball. She called the office one day and said, Pastor, I'm in such and such room in, in UMC. The East Tower on the sixth floor in UMC. I remember it clearly. She said, come and lay hands on me. I want Jesus to heal me. So I'm in here praying before I go up, and I sense the Lord just with the thought, don't pray for her. Don't pray for her. I've, I've dealt with her for years. So I go to the hospital, and I'm on the elevator. And man, I sense the Lord speaking that to me again. Don't pray for her. 
And it was very authoritative. And I knock on the door and she come opens or they open the door and I go walking in and she said, Pastor, I'm so glad you're here to pray for me. And I have this look like, oh, son of a bendigo. That's the Greek, okay. And I have the thought. Do I tell her the truth? Or do I pray a courtesy prayer or a chicken prayer? A chicken prayer is, I know God's not going to move, but I'll go ahead and pray for you just to appease you. Man, it's like the Lord rose up in the inside of me, and I looked at her, and I called her by her name. And I said, I can't pray for you. You've got unforgiveness in your heart, and I don't know what all's going on, but until you forgive that person, God cannot heal you. And she spews out of her mouth, and she says, I'll go to my grave till I ever forgive that. And you fill in the blank. And my eyes got big when she said that. I looked like, oh, this is why the Lord was doing that. And so again, if I live my life with that unforgiveness, man, I'm telling you, it does something. It bottles me up in the inside. Mark eleven twenty five, the Lord said, if you don't forgive others, I cannot forgive you. Oof. That's a heavy dose of truth there, okay? I got to get back to the story. Verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Two things off of that. Number one, do you not think God knew where he was? God knew where he was. God was just trying to give him an opportunity to repent again. And because of his pride and his arrogance, he said to God, Am I the keeper of my brother? First Peter 5, God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Verse 10, and he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth. A generational curse. And if you go to the book of Deuteronomy 28, chapter, or chapter 28, verses 1 through 14, it's all the blessings But from verse 15 to like 63, it's all the curse. Guess what? We either fall under the curse or we fall under the blessing. And so when he fell under the curse right here, it's very difficult to follow his bloodline because all of Cain and his descendants, they were wiped out in the flood. Now again, you begin to see the power of sin. So now we're going to go to the good part. Go with me to the book of Romans, chapter 6. We're going to be in Romans 6. And then we're going to hit Romans chapter 8. Readjusting Genesis. It's trying to get out of my Bible again. Romans chapter 6. And you're going to get an opportunity to shout here because the Bible is going to teach us some things. Romans 6, verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon or consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The only way I become alive is I confess my sin and I receive Jesus Lord of my life. Now let me tell you, he's died for every one of us in this room. I I don't care how bad you've been. The things you've done, 
When Jesus gets into your heart, that's the beginning point. That begins to change your nature. That is step one. i got to get Jesus in my heart. You know, the problem in America isn't we need more money for education. The problem in America, we need to get Jesus in people's heart. We need a heart change in America. Maybe you ought to run for president, Pastor. Verse 12, that's a chuckle. Therefore, do not let sin reign or control in your body that you should obey it in its lusts. Now, would he tell us not to do that if there wasn't means we could get away from it? Verse 13, and do not present your members or your parts of your body as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. What a promise. For you are not under law, but under grace. And this is the first point once you get born again that we got to understand. So he says right here, he doesn't want sin to have dominion over you. So how can we take care of that? Well, if I could fix my sin problem on my own, Jesus would have never needed to come. But I couldn't do that, so we sent Jesus, so I get born again, and then he throws in here a word called grace. You know what grace is? Grace is God's empowerment. Grace is God's helping you to do what you can't do for yourself. How many of you have ever wanted to quit sinning? And man, the thing you wanted to do, you couldn't do. But the thing you didn't want to do, you did. I've done that. Something happens when I, I welcome grace into my life on a daily basis. Let me help you a little bit with grace right here. This may date me a little bit. How many of you remember Pie Pie? Some of you young ones say, I don't even know what you're talking about. Pie Pie would begin to eat that spinach and he would just. When I begin to ask God to grace me, woo, God's empowerment on me, God starts working. Woo, Father God, I welcome your grace today. I welcome it. Something happens when we ask God on a daily basis. Lord, grace me today. Grace me. Verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Of course not. By no means. And so many have the thought, I can live however I want. I can sin as much as I want to because that's grace. That's not grace. He asked that question there. Shall we sin because grace is here? And he said, certainly not. So if I think I can live however I want because of grace, you're extremely deceived today. Actually, you're playing with fire. Grace is not a license for me to sin. The truth is, I never needed a license to sin. I did well enough without a license. Grace empowers me to live godly. Oh, I welcome your grace. Yeah, shout for that. Okay, keep reading. Verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, 
You were that one slaves. Slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. So when I look at this, I'm either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. So you know what he just told me? There is no neutral ground. There is none. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. You know how you know the one you're serving? To whom you obey. And obedience is huge. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, you were, yet you obeyed, you, you responded, you submitted without reservation from the heart, that form of doctrine of which you were delivered. When I look at that right there, God still delivers. He still delivers. I mean, Jesus said, I came to break the power of sin over you. So God wants to help us. Verse 18. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. So you know what he's saying? Man, I need a sanctification. You know how I become sanctified? Oh, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus sanctifies. The blood of Jesus cleanses me. Now, I encourage you in your own time, read verses 20, 21, 22. I'm jumping to verse 23 for time's sake. Listen to this. For the wage of sin is death. The payment, the ration, the stipend of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. When I see the word gift there, it's a divine influence. Jesus wants the influences, and he gives us the ability to choose his grace or the wages of sin. Sin will work you. Righteousness will reward you. How many of you have ever been worked by sin? Man, I, I've been worked by sin. I mean, I was a taskmaster to sin. But something happened when I got born again. I gave my heart to Jesus, and I began to live under the covenant of grace. Now, I want you to turn to chapter 8, and i got just a couple verses, because i got to let you see this here. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The word condemnation is rooted in guilt. It's rooted in shame. To me, it's almost like a prison that I never get out of. I felt guilty. I've been beaten up by condemnation to the point I didn't want anybody to know. And because I didn't want any to know, I hid. And I stayed kind of incognito, undercover, where no one knew. And that may be you today. And the more I allow that condemnation to come from the enemy, it's like a cloud that stays over me. It hovers over me. And everywhere I go, and that may be some of you today, where there's a shame about you. Watch what that says again. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus 
has set me free from the law of sin and death. Past tense. Has set me free from the law of sin and death. So when I begin to see this, it becomes a choice how I want to live. So that word there, he's made me free, it means to liberate. It means to acquit. It means to deliver. And the word is used excusely for Jesus setting believers free from sin. Same chapter. Verse 12. This is what we'll end with, maybe. Therefore, brethren, fellow believers, we are debtors not to our flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to your flesh, you will die. Now watch this. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Let me read that again. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. But by the Spirit. Now if I read that correctly, he didn't list in there a bunch of other ways. The only thing he specifically told me in there is by the Spirit of God. So if you understand the Bible, the Trinity is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Father right now, He's in heaven. The Son is at the right hand of the Father praying for us. It says He's making intercession for us. So the only active, alive part of the Trinity that is still alive and working on this earth is the Holy Spirit. Well, Pastor, the first church of the frozen chosen, they said that the Holy Spirit's gone. Well, you better get over your doctrinal self today, okay? And I better learn to be B-I-B-L-E-centered, okay? And I need to believe what the Word of God said. Not what this guy said, but what that said. And he said, by the Spirit of God, you'll put to death those deeds. So i got to have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I need you. I ask you to come in. So if you were to study some of the fruit of the Spirit that's found in Galatians 5, 23, one of them is the fruit of self-control. Ooh, where your little flesh, he tries to act up, but I say, oh, Holy Spirit, give me a double dose of self-control. Woo, I welcome self-control today. Romans 8, 14 says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Romans 8, 16 says, that the Spirit of God himself will bear witness with my spirit. So you know what that means? When the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you, He begins to give you little nudges. And I said nudges, okay? The Holy Spirit's a perfect gentleman. The reason I said nudges, sorry, Henry, you're here, but I'm going to use you. He doesn't get you in a headlock and says, oh, bang, boy, he won't do that. I don't find anywhere in the Bible where the Holy Spirit will do that. But I do find where he'll nudge you. Actually, it says in John 16 that the Spirit of God convicts us of sin. So when he convicts us, it's a nudge. It's a nudge. Don't do that. Don't do that. And the more I listen to him and respond to him, the more he comes around. I can quench him. First Thessalonians 5 talks about that. 
So again, I began to look at all this and I thought, you know what, every one of us in this room, we've had sin problems, we've had iniquities problems. And sometimes we've wondered, man, it seems like I'm on, I'm on the, the carousel of sin. I, woohoo! Woohoo! You know, you keep going around in circles. Have you been there, Pastor? I've been there. I've been there. And you know what it was called? It was called alcohol. That I kept going around and I kept going around. And finally, I begin to see the truth of the Word of God. And woo, 35 years later, look, look, look what the Lord has done. I didn't give my heart to Jesus till I was almost 20 years old. I didn't grow up in the Bible. Man, I look at some of these young ones in here and I think, man, thank God they're growing up in church. I was the one who put Job in the belly of the whale. That wasn't Job, it was Jonah. I remember one of the first times I ever talked about the Bible, I said, hey, man, I need a job, so I need to read that book called Job. And they said, it's not Job, you genius, it's Job. And so, man, my life was out of order. I mean, you're talking about a wreck. And then, man, we gave our heart to Jesus, and I began to understand grace. Woo, he graced me and said, man, just welcome his grace. Just welcome it on a daily basis. And then they told me about the Holy Spirit. In this order, the greatest things in my life is I gave my heart to Jesus. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I married Shelly. Whoop, there it is. I get tickled to myself saying that. <laughs> and you know what? I become a product of the goodness of God. Just keep hanging around God. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.